Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DNVR Draft Pod, presented by Natures of Colorado, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary, providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in store or drive through. I'm Justin Michael. I'm here with Jake Schwanitz and Henry Chisholm. We've got a lot to dive into. We're going to get into some team building takeaways from the Super Bowl here at the top. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah recently dropped his top 50. I guess that's been about a week and a half, but we hadn't had a chance to get into it yet. Uh, There's new PFF action, which has a big trade for the Broncos, some chaos in an NFL network mock, and uh, we're going to look at some late, or not late targets, mid-round targets that could fall for the Broncos. First things first, how's it going, guys? Can't complain. Well, I guess I can. Chiefs won the Super Bowl again. (laughs) Yeah, that part's kind of tough. I mean, at least we're here. You know, shout out to our guy, Dre. He's got a sick kiddo at home. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, she's feeling much better tomorrow. That's always tough. Uh, but I think that's a good place to start. Obviously, the the Chiefs now three-time Super Bowl champions. They tie the Denver Broncos. That one stings. LA has to give them the, the trophy. That stings even more. What are some takeaways that we can get from this, though? Because, I mean, obviously, they are the face of the division. They're the face of the NFL. They are the roadblock that prevents Denver from getting to where they need to be going forward. So, you know, what can we take away from this, especially, you know, these last couple of years? Yeah, the big takeaway to me is that it's just a bad time to be in the AFC West. Like that's that I mean, that's probably the worst team that they're going to have in quite a while. And they still won the Super Bowl. Um, more realistically, though, I guess I thought I thought coming into it that the path for the 49ers was for their defensive line to win. And they did that. I think that defensive line was really good and it kept that offense down for a long time. Um, and still like Mahomes gets away sometimes and he shakes them off, does whatever he does. But I do think that coming out of that game, if there was one thing I saw that worked from the 49ers, it's, it's having just studs all over that defensive front. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the same for me specifically. It's a linebacking core though. Uh, this game was a totally different game when Dre Greenlaw was in, as opposed to when he got hurt, I was injured and Oren Brooks goes in there. Um, just having those guys at linebacker who can kind of shut down stuff sideline to sideline, I feel like it really limited their offense. And they had a guy to pick on once Drake Greenlaw went down. So I know Denver's kind of tried to skate by, I guess, at linebacker for the last few years or so. They haven't really invested a lot of money or premium picks in there. Um, But Broncos did kind of shut down Mahomes when he came to Denver this year too. So I'm glad you guys brought that up because I feel like my takeaway is somewhat of in between you two, but it's essentially that sustained success still has to come through the draft. And when you talk about some of these guys, 
they're all homegrown. And you look at these yeah. Chiefs drafts classes these last couple of years, Isaiah Pacheco, you know, being able to land some of these. Carlaftis obviously was huge, getting him in the second round. Like, that's the difference between being able to sustain it or having a flash of pan in the success, you know? And right now, I just feel like whether it's linebacker or quarterback or anything else, we've tried to just kind of plug and patch and put a Band-Aid here and some yep. duct tape here. And, you know, oh, we're so close. If we can just get over this, when in reality, if you don't have a quarterback and you don't draft well for a sustained period of time, you're just not going to be relevant. And when you look at this roster that Denver has built these last couple of years, like forget quarterback, (laughs) look at the other 10 positions and the gap between the chiefs and the Niners and the Broncos. So to me, I mean, I guess it is a little bit reaffirming. We've always been that, you know, I understand that there have been teams that have been able to mortgage, you know, their futures for short-term windows and they found success, whether it's the Rams or the Buccaneers, you can do that, but it's not a long-term method. And when, you know, you look at the, the Broncos path forward, you got to think long-term because Mahomes ain't going anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. And I I think that you can look at the Broncos roster and almost just see like the rift in it where it's like you have Justin Simmons and Cortland Sutton and Garrett Bowles, but there should be another class of those guys right behind them and right behind them and right behind, and you just don't really have that. Like you have like your Jonathan Cooper who it's like, he's playing well. He's you right. that, yeah. Like you have some of those sorts of guys, but like Jerry Judy just hasn't really panned out, you know? Damari Mathis, Riley Moss, like you would you would love to have something out of that group too. You know, Caden Stearns, it's not his fault that he's been hurt, but like you would hope that he'd be somebody you look at. And it's just been ever since the Super Bowl, really, that they've had a problem and they've just been able to find a way to patch it with an NFL player, like a, a person who belongs on NFL roster, but now they're just lacking game changers, people yeah. who... Impact who, players. Exactly. And so like you, you can go sign your Ben Powers because you have a hole at guard. He's fine. He should be a starter in the NFL, but he isn't somebody who's pushing you to be winning. And so now you just have this roster filled with guys you've brought in to kind of plug holes. And so you plug the holes, but it just isn't enough to actually win anything. I think now more than ever, though, you have that tangible proof that you have to change that mentality. Mm -hmm. You guys, I think you nailed it at the beginning. This is the worst Chiefs team of the Mahomes era. They're very beatable. I know the defense is is much better than some of those years past, Mm -hmm. but offensively i mean we saw them all year they were nothing special like and i i, I don't know i just if, if you couldn't get them this year like exactly. when are you gonna get them it's demoralizing yeah and it makes sense that this is the first time in the mahomes era that the broncos beat them mm-hmm. like if they were to beat one of these teams you yeah. would think it would be this one yep any other takeaways before we move on here get into some of the prospect talk just, I mean, it's not breaking news here, but just look at the overall talent of those two teams and kind of what Hank said. We, we need blue chips. We need impact players. Well, I mean, if you put PS2 aside, like, who is the last like really impactful draft mm-hmm. pick? And, and you could look at the Chiefs and the 49ers with Isaiah Pacheco and Brock Purdy, and obviously those are outliers, but they're getting yeah, they're better hitting. production out of seventh-round picks yeah, than we are out of our mid-round picks. And yeah. I know we're going to get into it at the end, so I don't want to really spoil that. Some, you know, top fifty, top seventy-five guys we hope is are going to be there in that third round range. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's the big takeaway from me is you got to have a quarterback, duh. Yeah. But ultimately, team building it's still old fashioned, man. Like yeah. you can trade all the picks, you can sell the farm, but it isn't going to work long term. Those are the Broncos' two problems: the quarterback and the rest of the team. Other than that, <laughs> things are great. <laughs> yeah. Uh. 
That's all right. Well, we got a comment here. You know, if possible, move down, collect more picks. I think that's a good segue because obviously the uh, the big mock that has been circling the webs these last couple of days, they focused on it on the Broncos pod. I highly recommend you go check that out if you missed that conversation as well. Not right now, of course, later on. Yes. But uh, PFF has the Broncos trading up to two, swapping with the Commanders. The Commanders received Denver's 2024 first-round pick. That would be the 12th pick. A 2025 first-round pick, a 2025 second, and a 2026 first. The Broncos obviously get the number two pick with which they are selecting Drake May in this draft after Caleb Williams goes number one overall to the Bears. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, one jumps out to you. I mean, yes, you're solving your your quarterback issue, at least in theory. I mean, you, you have to hit on them. To solve it. Yes. So I understand the, the move from that sense, but I'll be honest, after finally getting some draft capital back after being so stretched in these last couple of years, I don't know if this is the move. I mean, you're going to be so strapped financially with the cap situation because Russ it's going to be tough to build a competitive team even with a rookie-scale quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I said on the podcast, this is basically the the Trey Lance trade, um, except... The compensation's about right yeah. to go from 12 to 2. Yep, exactly. And the difference is they went 12 to 3 instead of 12 to 2, and it was for a third-round pick instead of a second-round pick. That's the one change. Um, but yeah, I... If, if you want to give this all up to go get Kill Williams, I'd, I'd be down because I, I like the gamble there. Like there's a chance it really pans out with Drake may. I'm just not confident enough that it works out. Um, like I, he's, I, I think he's an NFL quarterback. I'm not convinced that he's like a game changing high end, you know, that sort of guy. Yep. Like even if he's Justin Herbert, I don't know that I like the trade. Like I, I think that he needs to be even better than that to, to be worth it. And so I just, with all the other holes, it just doesn't seem like a, a good deal to me. I'm right there with you. If you do, Make a move. I think you have to set your eyes at the very top. Try and go get Caleb or try and get whoever Sean and the team has his QB1. Um, but we just went over it. There's so many things that this team needs. I feel like we could get better both sides of the trenches. Uh, we can get another corner opposite of PS2. We can get more wide receivers. I mean, we had some decent production at running back over the last few years, but it hasn't really been top of the line. So but at the same time, you get a quarterback, and a lot of these problems can kind of fix themselves if you have a guy who's just able to manufacture points consistently and just get down the field, create explosive plays. So in terms of Drake May, I mean, he's a very athletic guy. He'd be fun. Uh, I think Sean would do a lot of interesting things with him. It'd be... I think you're stretching the field vertically a hell of yep, a lot more. Definitely. It'd be... The playbook would be opened significantly more, I think, than it was this year. So... um I don't know really at this point. I'm kind of in between, you know, the whole season I was like, yeah, do whatever it takes to go up and get Caleb. But now it's just like Henry's point. Mahomes is going to be here for this long. Let's just try and build a beast of a team top to bottom. Give you a couple zags. Potentially the best, just like pure thrower of the football yes. down the field in this draft. I, I think you could make that argument. You give the fans hope that you're building towards something, which has mm -hmm. been missing for quite some time. It sounds like NFL teams are not like stoked about next year's QB class. And I know, you know, this, that's not like me taking shots at, at no. CU. That's not me taking, that's, at, I'm not starting yeah. anything. Shador's great. I like Quinn Ewers. I don't love Quinn Ewers. No. Right. But outside of Shador, like, you know, you look at that next QB class, if you kick the can down the road again, 
at what point are we addressing the position? So it's, it's tough to give up that much capital. And I think it, it doesn't bring you any closer to contention right now. Also, though, I don't know if it matters what you do at this first round pick in terms of being actually more competitive right now. Next year is probably going to be like a 500 year at best, depending on which, you know, fill in quarterback we end up with or Russell Wilson or whatever the hell happens. It's not going to be fun as a season ticket holder. I'm just really dreading it, to be honest (laughs) with you. Got that invoice, another price increase, nine long years since the Super Bowl. Um since the playoffs. But I do think that is a factor, at least to an extent, with uh, th- this team. I-, I-, I know you can't like make all of your team-building decisions around, hey, we need some juice around this franchise, but nine years is a long time. Mm-hmm. And I-, I think there is something to be said about if you can land that quarterback that you can talk yourself into, this is the guy of the future, I think it's easier to eat the next year or two with a rookie quarterback from the fans' perspective than it is to have like the, mm-hmm. you know... Case Keenum situation that we've had six yeah. times now in the last seven years. Yep, and the odds are like you take Drake Drake May, he's not worth all that. Odds are you take Penix or Nix or McCarthy or any of those guys. Like the odds of you hitting on the quarterback you draft are just incredibly slim. But at the same time, it was like, the same odds for Mahomes. Exactly, exactly. Like that's how odds work, and you're never going to find one if you don't try. Like you, the answer is not like. Let's trade for Justin Fields, like because there, there's a tier of quarterback that will never become available. I guess yep. Tom Brady did as like a 40 year old, but that's, I mean, that's a little different. It took him what 20 some years though to become available. exactly. And so if you want to find a quarterback, there's only one way to do it, and that's to draft him in the first round. Um, like you or have get a them lucky, force but... a trade to you, or have a generational injury <laughs> exactly. where their yeah. drug addict owner gives up on him. But other exactly. than that. Exactly. You got to draft him. Exactly. So, like, the question just, like, do you take the risk now? And if you do and it doesn't work this year, do you take another one next year? Can you commit a couple years or do you want to build a team and take one next year the year after? And even if he is good, can you build a competent enough team around him to, exactly. like, see that he comes to fruition? It's the old, you know, Josh Allen debate. Would Josh Allen have become Josh Allen in Denver under Vic Fangio? I don't know. As somebody don't know that either. watched him a lot at Wyoming, like you know, he, yeah. he progressed a lot under Dable. Would he have just been benched after a year or two? Like anything is it's, possible. There. Yeah. Well, and to your point uh, about you know going and getting a quarterback, this was the first year we've had a quarterback with the who had the biggest cap hit on the team win a Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah. Like, and it took Mahomes to do that. Exactly. Like this isn't a thing that is. Uh, really replica, uh, replicatable. Um, you need that cost-controlled first-round quarterback mm-hmm. to really not only build a competitive team, but just having that control is what allows you to just do so many other moves and just maneuver around the draft board and make trades and free agency and all this stuff. So, yep, that's who wins Super Bowls. It's teams with quarterbacks on rookie deals, or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. I guess you have Stafford in there too, but again, like he wasn't getting market value at that point either. Knife to your back, yes or no? You're okay with this deal? Not okay with this deal? Uh, I think it'd be a bad decision, but it'd be a fun bad decision. Yeah, exactly. Like I I, I would, I would. Well said. I think when it first happened, I'd be like, no, and then like about thirty seconds later, I'd be like, oh, this is gonna be fun. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the thing: those rookie quarterbacks are never as fun as you think they are. That is true. Like you wind up, even the good ones, there's moments where you're just like, oh my god, this guy sucks. I mean, who was the last rookie quarterback who was actually CJ Stroud this year? Damn, there's one. 
But yeah, but other like, than CJ Stroud, like there hasn't been one. I like if you're you. the Steelers, CJ Stroud. Yeah. If yeah. you're the Steelers, and like I know that that's a weird draft class, but like you got Kenny Pickett, and it's mm-hmm. like local kid, like they got all excited and stuff, and then what? Twelve games, maybe even a little over a yeah. year, and they're just like and now. Oh, there's no. the Kirk Cousins rumors that he's going to end yeah. up exactly. there, and the Vikings could be in the JJ McCarthy range, and that that's where it really gets interesting for a team like Denver. If you want a quarterback, you may have to move up. Because, you know, as we look at a lot of these projections, this PFF one, this has Williams going one to Chicago, Denver trading up, taking Drake May with the Washington pick at two. Jane Daniels goes number three to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, 10, is Drake May, you know, you seem a little bit hesitant. Would Drake May even be your QB two? Or would Jaden Daniels? I still Daniels? go Jaden Daniels. I still do. I the There's just so much to like. Um, obviously, like all the physical tools, I guess he's a little bit small, so you can factor that in. But there's just, I mean, he gets rid of the ball quickly. Like, he's fast. The ball comes out fast. Um, solid arm. Like, best passer rating of anybody. Like, everybody wants to talk about Bo Nix and his completion percentage. I mean, so many of those are such short passes. Mm-hmm. Like, Jaden Daniels, I think statistically, was the best deep ball passer on top of that. Now, again, like, you look at the way Drake May throws it and some of that sort of stuff, and you're like, ah, maybe I go that way. But, like, we just look at that complete package. I, I still go Jaden Daniels. I'm probably still Drake May at QB2. Um, plans to dig in over this next week. I think we're actually going to dig into the quarterback class and do uh, rankings and all that stuff next week. So uh, I, I just look at what Drake May has done over the last few years, coming in, starting as a young player. Um, he's got underrated athleticism, I think. He can make every throw on the field. I mean, Tank's point, it'd be... it would If this happened, it'd be a little like, oh, no, here we go. Like It's actually happening, but then you always get excited. You have to. We'll talk about it next week. I'm trying to, my wheels are spinning now, and I'm like, do I like this move more to trade up for Drake May, or do I like sitting and landing maybe like a J.J. McCarthy at 12? Well, in this mock, J.J. went 10th overall. And that's where it's going to be interesting. His stock is is flying through the roof, and we said that it would, which, you know, Mm -hmm. even though it's a gamble, like you're projecting on him to show a lot more than he's shown when you look at his raw tools. It's, It's just not that shocking. Um, I did want, before we move on, we had a, a comment here from Jose. Cost control quarterback is another argument to draft the quarterback in the first round for the fifth year option, even at 32. I do think you're right. My only point that I was saying earlier is that even with a cost controlled quarterback with your cap deficit, you know, these next couple of years, you're not fielding a competitive team. And so you're banking on trading up, you're, you know, you're selling the future, basically. You have to hit. And then on top of that, after these two years, you have like a two-year window, three years maybe, where you can be competitive before you have to re-sign them. So my whole thing is like, yes, you want that five-year window, but are you going to waste 40% of that five-year window anyways? I I don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah. But again, like... You have to make a sacrifice at some some point. Exactly. It's not going to be perfect. If it was easy, you know, all the teams, all the teams that QBs. um, Let's get into the DJ top 50. Um, then we'll move on, get into some guys that we hope end up falling to the Broncos in the third round. Uh, what kind of stands out to you on this one, Jake? I mean, really right at the top. I'm, he says Caleb Williams first overall. Um, I think there's just been a lot of talk about whether Caleb is QB1, and everyone's got their favorites when it comes to draft analysts. But when DJ says it, man, I this guy's so plugged into the league. He talks to decision makers. He talks to scouts. He's been a scout. Um I just trust his judgment a lot more than anyone else's. So him having Caleb at QB one first overall player is just a little validating. I think, you know, what also is validating 
when you sit down and you have an ice cold Breck brew, oh, validates every decision guy. you've made. Look at this guy. I yes. got to get the ad read in before we switch. <laughs> so I got to hit this one real quick. And uh, I love it. There's there's nobody better than Breckenridge Brewery. They have been with us since day one. Uh, Hank and I, you know, five, six years ago, we were doing pods, doing Breck reads. Nothing has changed. And that's because they're as Colorado as it gets. They have a love and passion for making good beer. Um, Try some of my favorites, Avalanche Amber Ale, Broncos Country Pale Ale, Fun Slinger. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. Also want to shout out Natures of Colorado. They are the premier dispensary in northeastern Colorado. There are four convenient locations, Log Lane Village Garden, City Sedgwick, and Milliken. They are the go-to dispo in northeastern Colorado. Save time by ordering online at naturescolorado.com. Stay cozy in your car. Pick up conveniently at the drive-thru. Use the code for an $85 any shelf ounce. They also have exquisite extracts, two grand buckets for 15. Remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. Go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Um, <laughs> just so no. uh, back to Caleb. Yeah. I mean, someone, I, I don't remember who, posted like a Twitter thread yesterday of like some of his most absurd throws. And it's been a while since I've went back and watched Caleb Williams and just seen all that stuff. It's just, I don't know. I, you got to have this guy QB one, in my opinion. I, I understand if you have questions about the structure or him playing within structure, but man, there's just not many people that move like that. that can throw the ball like that. They can extend the plays like that at quarterback. Surprised at all that you have receivers at two and three with Marvin Harrison Jr. two, Roma Dunze three. So that that my big surprise is that Brock Bowers is number eight. You know, for a while there, it felt like he was, you know, probably Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr.'s top non quarterback. Right. But Brock Bowers right there, if not just number two. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So to see him down behind a Dunze behind uh, Terry and Arnold behind Malik Neighbors. That surprised me a little bit, but I do think like, I, I think I've said on this podcast sometimes I get them run together, but he's just a little bit small. Um, which again, like modern tight ends, that's kind of what you're looking for in the NFL. You probably put on a little bit of weight, uh, but I do. He definitely is a, a type of tight end. He 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 could turn out to be your George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, do it all type. He won't be Gronk. He'll never be that big, but. He does lean receiving, whereas coming into the season, I looked at him more as a he, he can do anything. Like right. you ask him to block, you right. ask him to pass. And he's he still not Gronk. I mean, he can block, no. but he's not Gronk. Yeah, and he never will be Gronk. And he still could be like a Kittle, but it isn't. It isn't so clear cut. So nasty in the trenches, exactly. man. Exactly, and that's that's what I wonder about because that's that's the real value is is somebody who can do both. That's how you get teams into mismatches. Um, but there's just there's a bunch of those little flags with Brock mm-hmm. Bowers, starting with the fact that he's a tight end. Yeah. And these guys just have not really been hitting of late. I know they've been college football superstars, but these the, the Madden draft style picks yeah. where you invest and you kind of break the rules and where they've taken tight ends and running backs and yep. Atlanta's been the, the main culprit here. But you have you Sam know, Laporta on the other hand, though, who comes in a as point. a third yeah. round pick and is the best rookie tight end we've but seen. But isn't that the argument time. why you should wait? Is you can get a Trey McBride at fifty five or a Sam Laporta in the Absolutely. third round? Mm-hmm. Well, then to go back to that, then off your wide receiver take, yeah, uh, two and three with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Romo Dunze. I think there's twelve wide receivers in this top yeah. fifty. Um, I mean, you mentioned uh, Malik Neighbors up there in the top ten, but I mean, the last guy on this list is uh, Malachi Corley. 
who Dre loves talking yeah. about. We talked about him quite a bit recently. Uh, Lad McConkey's in there. Xavier Which is Worthy. Crazy. What? I wasn't expecting Lad McConkey in the top fifty. You know, we watched. We watched like the this. Yeah, he totally did. And I was going watching. And I was like, you know what? If he's still there, like fourth, fifth round, like mm-hmm. Broncos need to snag him. And then this comes out, and I was like, oh. Well, they should absolutely snag him <laughs> if, if he's there at that point. Yep. But yeah, it's interesting though because he does. I, I to me, he's a slot receiver. Like I know he probably can do some outside stuff, and maybe he's like Cooper Cup and not just like Julian Edelman or whatever. Even if he's Julian Edelman, I guess you take him in the second round, you're thrilled. But I, I that style of receiver, you know, the route runner, separator, underneath, catch everything, that hasn't been what's been valued in the draft in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Keon Coleman, I think he's kind of had a fall down. He's at 38 in this one. I thought he was one of the most impressive wide receivers, you know, through the season, like when we were in the thick of it. Um, so he's kind of had a fall down, but I don't think it's very unexpected because he's one of those just like bigger frame physical wide receivers. Who's going to win jump balls at the catch point. Jose in the comment section brings up that the Broncos have not had a true slot receiver since 2014, which is probably true. Totally. And I mean, that's kind of what they're missing at this point mm-hmm. is, I mean, you wonder like Tim Patrick could maybe fill some of that. Um, but again, it just, it's, it's still be a little bit different style. You know, you liked seeing uh, Marvin Mims in the slot, but like speed slot is kind of like your, your curveball, your changeup, not necessarily like your fastball, which it'd be nice to have somebody like that. Um, Tavondre sweat being number 48, that surprised me. I would have had him much higher. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Really? You know? I thought he was super no, impressive at the I, senior I'm bowl. I'm surprised he was at 48. Yeah. He's just, I mean, it's a challenge for offensive linemen to move that guy. Mm-hmm. He stood out for sure when you watch the some of the highlight videos. Um, do you like Roman Wilson or, or McConkey better? Because Wilson's a guy who had a nice week. Yeah. yeah. Wilson did have a nice week. Um, interesting kind of contrast between the two because McConkey, I think, did more during the season. But, you know, Roman Wilson comes out uh, at the Senior Bowl and the guy's catching everything. He's routing these people up. Um, I think he gives you a little bit of versatility. I think you exactly. could put him inside yes. or outside. Yeah. So, I mean, they're probably going to, there's probably going to be a decent margin between them where they get drafted, I think, at least a round or so. But, uh, I love both players. I'd be down for either player, really, to be on the Broncos. And if you take J.J. McCarthy in the first round, oh yeah, definitely Roman Wilson over Lab McConkey in that mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Ohio pokes. What got handled well by Wyoming? It was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. So oh, Maybe the Rams will be able to do the same. I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it's all right. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> um any other takeaways? I think that, I mean that's the main one yeah. from the top fifty. Cornerback s- one, Terry and Arnold, who he has six, may not be in Denver's range at twelve. He's been a guy who's been pretty commonly. Mm-hmm. Your guy Quinion Mitchell, nineteen. I still think he might be my cornerback one, and I know that's a little controversial because Arnold is so strong. I just love how aggressive he is. Uh, I think the last one I would say though is uh, Talisi Fuaga, the Oregon State yes. offensive tackle, comes in at number eleven. We talked about him, uh, Dre and I did last week, and just how he's a mauler in the run game. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's a left tackle. He feels like a right tackle yep. to me, and I don't know if I love that at 12. Mm-hmm. But I also, I mean, if you could just get a guy that's going to be your starting right tackle for the next 8 to 10 years and, and eliminate some of the instability that we've had the last couple years there, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. It's not the sexy pick, but, no. man, he's a mauler. The quarterbacks 
after the top three, you've got uh, Bo Nix, 23, J.J. McCarthy, 27, and Michael Penix Jr., 40. Mm-hmm. I was kind of curious. Like the, It's interesting to me the gap between the top two and the second two. Like Top two is a lot closer together. Yeah. Um, seeing Penix appear at 40, though, is kind of a little validating in itself, too, because I think anyone watches him and goes, this guy has incredible talent, is one of the most talented quarterbacks in this class. But it does come back down to the age, the injuries, um, some like throwing over the middle stuff that has been uh, talked about him recently. But if he's a top 50 player here by DJ standards, then I'm expecting this guy to at least go around there. I don't think he's going to have this significant fall that a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Unless something gets really weird. Also, he hasn't been hurt in a long time. Yeah, no, he played the last two years completely fine, I think. I mean, yeah. he got a little banged up in the natty and stuff. But Y'all, I mean... The fact that he didn't leave that game is actually kind of crazy. Yeah. Every every time he got hit in that second half, I was like, oh, he's done. Yep. Oh, he's done. Yep. Oh, he's done. But he just kept getting back up. We got a question from Wolfgang Paco. Uh, is J.J. Penix or Knicks really an upgrade over a day two QB? I think J.J. is. And Penix, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the thrower of the football, yes. But it's just, can you yeah. keep him healthy because his mobility is going to be so limited? Also, J.J. is probably a lock for the first round. J.J.'s going to go I top so. ten. Yep. Penix and Knicks might be t- day two quarterbacks. Like, it's a good point. Like, there's a good chance that at least one of them falls out of the first round. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, compare them to day two quarterbacks. I mean, that's kind of probably what they are. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt hype kind of yeah. coming up recently. So, uh, I think that's really, I mean, I don't think we're getting too excited about Joe Milton right now or Jordan Travis I, or. I really want to. Joe Milton? When you when you watch the best things he did, you're Azuka. like, wow. Yeah. Like that, he'll throw the ball like 80 yards or something. Mm-hmm. Like he's so big and he runs and moves so well. But yeah, there's just way too many horrible things that he did that you just can't ignore. Yes. Paxton Lynch moves well and uh, could throw a ball about 100 yards too. That's true. I want to get to the Cynthia Freeland NFL Network mock that Hank sent us. It's it's based uh, on it's, it's, it's out there, but it's <laughs> yeah. it's not an opinion based one. It's based on her rating system, which, you know, Hank knows a little bit more about than me. I can't explain it, but they have Joe Alt going number one overall to the Chicago Bears. Caleb Williams goes number two to his hometown commanders. But I mean, that that's just where it gets started. There's yeah. all kinds of chaos. It's in crazy. Here. It's fun, though, because what I enjoy about it is that the NFL has their next gen stats, but they're. They're just not useful for all of us because like they'll have a list of like the fastest ball carriers in this week. And you're like, I don't care about that. Like Mm -hmm. if there was a way to make it accessible, that would be awesome. But Cynthia working for NFL network, um, she's one of the few people who just like gets access to the raw data and can do what she wants with it. And also takes advantage of that because she's smart enough to, whereas a lot of people just say like, oh, he's fast. Look at the number. Right. Um, Oh, he's fast. He's real fast. Exactly. He makes fast people look not fast or like they'll put the percentages on the catch it's like oh there's a two percent chance that was gonna be cut it's like what the hell does that even mean (laughs) i know like that's not how (laughs) that works um reference went just right over the head there keep going (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but yeah so what she does she has like her whole model that she builds and again like honestly nerd stuff to like get all the details in there and makes the picks based on what benefits them the most based on her model which is just a much more interesting approach and it means that it's all going to be way off but it is interesting that her model would say the way for the bears to win the most games next year will be to take joe alt in the first with the first overall pick because 
it makes sense when you really think about it because it's like Justin Fields, probably not as good as Caleb Williams maybe based on the model. You don't really mm-hmm. know because she didn't write the difference. Um, but by you have an established quarterback though, exactly versus banking on a rookie. Exactly. And so you at least have like not as much of a downgrade by keeping Justin Fields that Joe Alt can cancel that out. Um, yeah. Uh, Cooper DeGene goes to the Broncos with the 12th overall pick in this model. Yeah. Which uh, that's too rich for me. I love Cooper DeGene. He's like, especially if you would trade back to the early twenties guy, I- I'm all about it. 12 feels a little rich. What do you think? I mean, had a great year, I think, until he got hurt, obviously. Uh, that, That's the thing. It's that just punt return injury. lives in my mind. The one that, uh, the I can't one remember that got what, taken away. Yeah, I can't remember which game it was, but... Uh, super athletic guy. I think that's a perfect compliment to PS2 on the other side. Just someone who can really be a ball hawk and try and, you know, take advantage of all the targets that they would potentially see. Could he be cornerback two for you, injury aside? If you just, if we, I know you can't, that's a huge factor. It happened late in the season too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's hard yeah. for me to put him. I'd over still rather have Mitchell, Quinion, Mitchell at 12, Terry on Arnold. I'd take him over to McKinstry. Yeah, I, I think he's a little bit more versatile. I think McKinstry's well, going to run better, but I think DeGene, you can play him outside. I think you could play him in the slot. I think, you know. And in this mock, McKinstry was the last pick in the first round. They have him falling all the way down there, or yeah. Cynthia does. I think he could maybe even fall out of the first, it's depending possible. on how he runs at the combine. And the other thing with DeGene, I think it's easier to make the case for him to be the Broncos number two versus just the number two in a vacuum. Right. Just because he's such like a ball hawk. Like, yeah. It, 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 stylistically, I think he fits well in Denver, but I still probably wouldn't have him. And for what's worth, uh, Cynthia said, so he takes straight lines at a rate in the top 18th percentile. So in like the, acceleration? No, like in when he's moving, he moves in straight lines the most often. Oh, so okay, as a okay. DB, that means that you're yeah. reading where you want to be and just going straight there instead of like slowly getting into like reading. Yep. I don't know. I like no, the fact that it's like, it, it would be so nice if we could have access to all of these things, sure. but I get why it'd be hard to, but yeah, that's, it's interesting. I may have a next gen connect. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. Worked with them at SAS. Okay. Yeah. I have to get into that. Nice little flex there. <laughs> yeah. Wolfgang Paco says George Payton reminds him of an old Dan O'Dowd, the Rockies GM back in the day. Covet's overpriced arms blow all the money. Oh no. The Broncos morphed into a Montfort organization. I hate this. I don't know. I think I understand the logic of what he's saying, and I don't think he's necessarily wrong. I also think that as somebody who's now gone full circle through this whole miserable Rockies experience, um, I think we maybe underappreciated Dan O'Dowd, and I can't believe I'm saying that uh, because I don't know if you've watched the Rockies of late. Like At least back then, we had farm systems. Like We had players that would eventually leave. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, there's just nothing it's it's a barren wasteland but again feels pretty similar over at the the broncos stadium um let's get into these third round targets some guys we hope you know are are going to fall to the third round a lot of these guys you know may very well go earlier um you want to start hank since this was your idea uh i threw out to vandre sweat earlier again like it's kind of a dream scenario but the fact that he's listed at 48 in there means that a slip to the sixties isn't that crazy. Um, especially given the way people look at defensive tackles, defensive linemen. Uh, I, I think that him and Jerzon Newton are the two defensive linemen that if the Broncos somehow came away with one of them, 
I would lose my mind. I'd be he's like, oh my God. Freak. Exactly. Like both of those guys are crazy. Now, Jerzon Newton, he's not going to be there when the Broncos make their second pick. He's just not. Um, maybe but like, he has maybe they, a Laramie Tunsil moment. Yeah, know? I guess it's crazy. Post Send a picture him the of the bomb. Mask. You never know. But yeah, like maybe he's, if they trade down, they could make that pick. Um, but Tavondre Sweat, you know, there's a chance that people make that much of a mistake. But I think that's where I go first, just because freaks in the trenches especially after that super bowl seems like it could be very important i'll start on the defensive side of the ball um i think edge rusher is really deep this year and even these guys in like the back end of like the hundred uh overall range on the website we're looking at here uh nfl mock draft database brandon dorless played a lot of good football at oregon jonah ellis was utah's best edge rusher last year i think he battled through injuries uh marshawn nealon he was actually a buff at one point and then went back to Western Michigan. He's actually in DJ's top 50 at number 49. Uh, Gabriel Murphy on the opposite side of Leatu Latu was a great player, I think, as well. So um, even, I mean, I don't want to take your guys. Um, no, you're good. I mean, yeah, Mo Camara, Mo Camara, obviously. Yeah. Would, yeah. Him and Jonah Ellis would be my two edge rusher guys that I think third round especially just mm -hmm. make a ton of sense. Relentless motors. I think they come in day one, can, can contribute for you, stop the run, rush to the passer. I don't know if they're you know, traits are, are quite as top end as some of these guys in the top five. But I think when you look at the value and the production that you're going to get there, mm -hmm. I mean, I really like those guys quite a bit. Some of the receivers, I mean, you, you hope a guy, maybe like a guy like Xavier Worthy falls like late third round, early fourth. I, I don't love him quite as much as I do some of these other guys. He feels one of those dudes that's going to shine in the underwear Olympics because he runs so fast, but does it actually translate to football? We shall mm -hmm. see. He had some big plays, though. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of tight ends I like. Um, Cade Stover being probably top of the list at that spot. Mm -hmm. um, just so strong. Like, he seems like somebody who can just, like, be too much of a man for a defense, yeah. and that's, like, a good trait to have. Um, Jaheim Bell yep. also fits that category. Eric All. Um, Jatavian Sanders probably gone by then, but right. he would also be on that list. Jared Wiley, the TCU tight end, was one of the standout players in that CU-TCU mm -hmm. game week one. So There's a bunch of those guys around there. And mm -hmm. I think offensive linemen, too. Uh, I brought Christian Haynes after this, the senior bowl, the guard from Connecticut. He's a freak. Um, but it's such a deep tackle class. I'm curious who's around at that point. Because mm -hmm. there's a chance they all just get swooped up in the second round. But when you dig through, obviously, like Joe Alt, Olu Fashanu, like those guys are potentially not even getting out of the top 10. Yep. Fuaga... Latham, Guyton, Mims, Jordan Morgan. Uh, kid out of BYU. The, the kid yeah. out of BYU is what we'll say. <laughs> I thought uh, Patrick Paul was great at the Senior Bowl, too. Yeah, so you have like this whole list where if, if any of those guys are the pick in the third round, I'd love it. And I think that there's a chance that the guy who we're saying is like, oh, he's number the number four tackle right now, by then could be the number nine tackle who's still on the board. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll go to cornerback as well. I think it's a pretty deep cornerback class. I mean, we just spent... Some time talking about the guys at the first, uh, at the top of the draft, but Mike Sanders still out of Michigan. I mean, all that guy did was make plays this year. Josh Newton, uh, you go back to this point last year, I think he was one of the top-rated cornerbacks in all of college football going into the 23 season. He's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, both of the Missouri cornerbacks, I think, are really good too. So, I mean, Chow Smith-Wade is there at Washington State. He had a good year also. So it's a deep class in that regard as well. I'm surprised how low Wade is listed on here. Mm -hmm. 
I'll throw out a linebacker. I like Jeremiah Trotter Jr. out of Clemson, yep. a guy who a year ago is being talked about as, you know, a first round pick. Now is kind of being projected more around that 50 to 60 range. If he could fall to you around 75, I, I love the value there. I think he would make things interesting, come in and contribute. Yep. Um, Michael Penning Jr.? I don't, I don't think it's crazy for him to be there. I think if he gets out of the first round, third round is very much. What would you play. set his over under? Does he go top 50? Yeah, like 50 and a half, or are you going even I would go lower? like 32 and a half. Okay. Yep. Inside the first round or outside the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'd rather do, I think, I think he's going outside the first round. So to me, it's more, does he go in the second round or later? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Does he free fall? Yeah. If he's there in the third, and I mean, that's just such a weird scenario because you probably didn't draft a quarterback in the first round, unless you do like the, uh, Robert Griffin, the third Kirk cousins thing, which yeah. worked out pretty well. Um, you're probably running Niners it back too. with Russ. Yeah, yeah, Niners also. Yeah, but you're probably running it back with Russ. And in that case, a third-round quarterback, that's great. I mean, that 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 fits pretty well. And it would allow you, obviously, to use that first-round pick somewhere else. Um, I got one more crazy one. Torrey Taylor? Not in the third no. round. No, okay, okay, no. not in the third. Okay, not in the third. Freak punter, though. He's awesome, uh, but you can awesome, get R- Ryan awesome. Stonehouse was a UDFA. Definitely. But, I mean, in hindsight, third round for Stonehouse, even, I guess that would be as good as he Miners is. Draft? Yeah. There's probably two. I think you just put too much pressure on these specialists when you take them that high. With kickers, yes. Punters, like, if you're feeling pressure as a punter, like, what are you doing? I, but it, the, the risk <laughs> just doesn't seem worth okay, the reward. That's fair. You know you're I mean? probably right. Third round, you shouldn't be drafting a punter. But, yeah. I mean... <laughs> If you if you did, I mean, this would Tory Taylor's the guy. Yeah, he's awesome. He is awesome. Uh, I'll go back to running back real quick too. I think it's a sneaky deep running back class. Um, you know, looking at this list we're looking at here: Braylon Allen, Bucky Irvin, Will Shipley, Audric Estime. I thought Audric Estime yeah. many times was the best running back week to week basis in college football. Um, so Cody Schrader at Missouri, he had a fantastic year. So Frank Gore Jr., lots of guys. Is Cody Schrader that kid that went viral on YouTube like in like the fifth or sixth grade? For what? I don't know. Like having a sick football highlight. I don't somebody oh. out there will know what I'm talking about. There was some <laughs> kid named Cody back when like the the heart of YouTube, you know, back before it was like monetized. The OG days. Yeah, it was just chaos <laughs> <Yeah>. out there. <laughs> the golden days. Yeah. All right, we got a question from Wolfgang Paco. He would like a corner. Don't know what's up with Moss. You're on the beat, Hank. What's up with Riley Moss? So he was injured in camp, so he didn't get a lot of reps there. So he's behind the eight ball already. Um, when he did play, so the second half of the season, he was their dime. So he was out there, which is only like four or five snaps a game. And he says, um, I had to talk to him a little bit. He, I'm Tory Taylor's teammate. We actually talked mm-hmm. a lot about him. He says he's incredible. Um, we all know that. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, he was saying it was actually pretty great to be able to play on the inside. Because he's always played on the outside. And so for the first half of the season, you're thinking outside, outside, outside. And to be able to come in and see how the defense works, he says that's when things really clicked for him, was he was so focused on, like, how do we do it out here that once he moved inside, it was like, oh, now I kind of understand how all the pieces fit together. Um, great special teamer. one Maybe their best when you factor in the penalties that uh, Tremont Smith had. Next year, though, you hope that he's ready to take that step. Um, you would imagine... Baseline, he's your backup nickel. 
um, because Jaquan's kind of taking that job, and that might be where he fits best. Um, and then he's competing for the starting job as it stands now, which, again, we just haven't seen a whole lot. He played well when he was in, but again, it's like four snaps a game for six games. It's not worth all that much. Didn't feel like he did enough this year to kind of se- not not only just secure a spot, but to like relieve the Broncos' decision makers' exactly. minds that they're they're set at cornerback. And it's it's so close though. Like you going into last season, you would have thought if Jaquan plays the way he does, you got Pat, you got Jaquan, you trust Damari Mathis and Riley Moss, one of them mm-hmm. to be your second cornerback. But with Damari playing how he did and Riley just not playing all that much at all. Like it does feel like you need to do something there. Mm-hmm. Last year, the something was uh, Fabian Moreau, who was really good for a bit, but then was really bad after that. Um, so, like you, I would imagine, just given the cap situation, the most likely scenario is that you get a veteran, a cheap veteran, like million bucks, two million bucks, and it's veteran versus Moss versus Mathis. And if things don't go well in the first few weeks, you figure something out. Before we get out of here, Jake. Thoughts on Zach Zinter as a third round target? Oh man, I mean, I love the player. Um, was an absolute road grader. I think he, I mean, he was part of the Joe Moore award, Moore Award winning offensive line those previous two seasons. They had a great year again this year too. Um, I think they just had to give it to somebody else, to be honest. For sure. I think <laughs> yeah. he just broke his leg though, right? Yes. So all for it yep. then. Um, look, broken bones are not torn ligaments. Like these are things that you can bounce back from. Um, so I'm all for it. I think he'd be a fantastic pick. I think he's gonna be a good pro football player. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but Jake would still draft you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just looking at it. Riley was on the field for 21 passes. Only got targeted once. It's what you like to see. Uh, it wasn't a catch. Can't complain about that. All right. <laughs> Can't complain about that. Indeed. Yep. We'll be back next week. Uh, Hopefully, Dre will be back with us. Shout out to the presenting sponsors, Natures of Colorado. Thank you to everybody in the comment section for rocking with us. We'll be back each and every week talking different position classes, the latest in the draft world, combine, all that once we get to it. Much love, y'all. Peace.